G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Thursday, always good to welcome back to 2020 the National Director of Family Voice Australia, Ashley Saunders, who has just touched down in Hobart this morning. Hello. Uh, Welcome along, Ashley. Uh, Good morning, Neil. It's great to be with you and great to be with your listeners all across Australia. And actually, uh, every time I talk to you, you're in a different state. You're in Hobart today, and uh, today you've got a, some special meetings to do with uh, your Family Voice Australia outfit? Uh, yes, we have advisory boards in every state, and so uh, uh, we have annual meetings of those advisory boards, and we've done uh, all now, except the one in Tasmania, which is scheduled for now, and uh, then I'll be able to go home and spend some time with my family. Fabulous. Well, let's talk about perhaps what is the most controversial issue that's happening in Australia right now, and that is the euthanasia push in Victoria. It's passed the upper house with some amendments, which means it needs to go now to the lower house. You've been monitoring this all the way through, Ashley, and uh, I know monitoring it with some level of disappointment that, so that, uh, that Victorian MPs have voted the way they have. Uh, yes, it is disappointing, and um, uh, if, if two MPs in the upper house had voted differently, then it would have been a, a tie, and therefore it would have been defeated, and so it was that close. And, uh, and so even though some amendments have been passed, um, the bill has passed through the upper house. So the, the parliamentary procedure is that it needs to go back to the lower house, who will then consider the amended bill, and if the numbers are the same as they were before, uh, then it's thought to be um, a fairly much a, a formality so that before too long euthanasia will become law in Victoria. But what's even more disappointing is that uh, the news uh, is around this morning that euthanasia advocates are saying this bill is unworkable, this bill doesn't go far enough, we need to, we need to open the door even more to uh, legally sanctioned killing and um, that, that's a real concern uh, for all of us so that even when, even when a bill is passed to, um, to legalise uh, euthanasia, to um, legalise um, sanctioned killing under whatever name you, you give it, it's not enough and the push is on for more. So for those who are doubtful about the idea of a slippery slope, as soon as there is one bill that passes the upper house, it's not even law yet. There's already a push to liberalise that all the more further. And so this slippery slope idea uh, again rears its ugly head and the likelihood is that if this bill does pass, as it, as you say, as more like a formality in the lower house now, uh, there's still going to be a big push to actually make that broader and more general and more inviting for people to actually be part of a, a voluntary euthanasia. Yes, that's right. It's a, it's a relentless agenda. And uh, whereas uh, Family Voice and many Christians, uh, I would hope all Christians, stand for life, uh, these, this is being uh, advocated by those who stand for death. Mm. 
We will follow that through. Ashley Saunders, a significant issue that's come to light in Western Australia where a Christian school's under pressure for parting ways with a teacher who disclosed that he was in a same-sex relationship. What's happened with that issue? Well, it's really interesting that um, these things come to light within a week of um, the result of the marriage postal survey being announced. Uh, And uh, throughout the campaign that we've just had, Uh, We were alerting people across Australia to the consequences and those who were advocating change were saying that there are no consequences and here we have in Western Australia a Christian school whose theological position indicates that uh, sexual relationships should only be between a man and a woman. They take a very clear biblical view uh, on uh, sexual ethics, um, have parted ways with a teacher and... There are two versions. One version uh, that's being put against the school is that you did it because he's admitted to being in a same-sex relationship. Uh, The school, as I read it, says, well, it was more than that. There was also a um, a, a sexually uh, suggestive post on social media that um, some of the students either accessed or were able to access. But leaving aside the precise reason, we were being told that there are no consequences. And here is a school that has a theological position based on scripture and uh, the push is on in Western Australia now by LGBT activists to legislate in Western Australia to prohibit uh, Christian schools from holding to their beliefs. And that has been one of the big concerns that has been specifically highlighted during the campaign Uh, for the yes or the no vote and now we are seeing come to pass uh, what was predicted and it's not even law yet and these things are being pushed forward. Ashley, let me ask you about a new body that's been set up by the Prime Minister to examine religious freedom uh, because, uh, uh, you know, as a a whole and not just in relation to marriage uh, because uh, this was one of the big issues in the lead-up to uh, the postal plebiscite survey, this idea of religious freedom. Uh, former Minister Philip Ruddock heading up that inquiry, but it's not going to be reporting until March next year. So it does appear there's no way that there's going to be any connection to the marriage bill uh, of, of any uh, religious freedoms being included there. Uh, one of the things that... Um came out of the campaign that concluded just a week or so ago was that regardless of the result, it was clear to those of us who were actively involved in the campaign that the state of freedom of thought, conscience and religion in Australia needed some serious protection. And uh, and so is it good that uh, that there is a review? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I, I would perhaps add, add a couple of cautions Uh, I think when the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition talk about religious freedom in the context of same-sex marriage and believe that uh, and say that uh, as long as ministers of religion um, don't have to do a same-sex wedding against their conscientious beliefs, then that's protecting religious freedom. And I think they're genuine about that uh, in terms of their desire. Um, What they see is institutional religion, and yet the fundamental human right is a right that belongs to every individual, uh, freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion. And so I'm keen to, to see that, that this review of religious freedoms is not just restricted to institutions or to institutional religion, but that it looks at what is the state of play 
for people who hold to a religious belief, individuals who hold to religious beliefs, and maybe even people who have a conscientious conviction that is not faith-based. And that's the other thing that we need to recognise where this human right is concerned, that the freedom of conscience may be faith-based or may be um, irrespective of faith. Ashley, is it fair enough to say that freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, of course they are forerunners to what we expect when we talk about freedom of religion, but they're also forerunners, so freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, forerunners to a democracy. Uh, These two things do go hand in hand, don't they? Because uh, if we don't have freedom of speech, we have an attack on our democracy. Is Is that a fair enough way to assess that? I think it's a very fair way. And what we need to recognize is that the freedom of speech, the freedom of association, and indeed the freedom of religion are things that give outward expression to the inner freedoms of thought and uh, and conscience. And so, um, in, in a sense, if I don't have the freedom to, to speak and to act in accordance with my conscientious convictions, then what you end up with is not something that's democracy. You end up with something where we are being told uh, what we're allowed to think and we're being told uh, what we're allowed to say. Now, some people might say, no, Ashley, that's not true. You know, you, you can think what you like. Just don't think you can say it or act on it. And again, if we're able to think something but not to act on it, that's a real a real threat to democracy as we understand it. Well, the freedoms of all Australians are under threat right now. Uh, let's move on. There's plenty to talk about, Ashley Saunders. Uh, Queensland state election coming up on Saturday. Uh, we were talking earlier in the week about a number of different surveys that are out that enable people to see what is going on uh, in the, uh, the state of Queensland so far as their voting preferences go and where the parties and the candidates stand on a list of values. Uh, you've had uh, an influx of of uh, people re- responding to the Family Voice Australia survey. Uh, what sort of uh, what's, what can you share with us about uh, the way that uh, survey uh, findings are coming out so far? Well, what we're seeing, I guess, is consistent with what we spoke about earlier in the week, that there is a fairly clear distinction between um, the Cata Party and the LNP and, to a degree, One Nation on one side um, and uh, the Labor Party and the Greens on the other. Now, there are different questions uh, on which each of those different parties will differ, um, but there seems to be um, a really clear line being created between those who want to stand for parental rights and want to stand for uh, freedoms and want to stand for life versus those who are either taking um, no stand on those matters or who are actively um, opposing or proposing things against that. And so I'd encourage uh, people to uh, go to the Family Voice website on the right-hand side. You'll see a link that says Queensland Election Survey. Click on that. You can look at party responses and you can even search for your electorate to see how the candidates have responded in your electorate. And the good thing, as we were talking about earlier this week, is there are a number of surveys. So when we start to uh, you know, question the validity or the uh, motives of surveys, what we've got is Christian Values surveys, not only from uh, your outfit, Ashley Saunders, Family Voice Australia, uh, but also one called the Australian Christian Values Checklist, And uh, for listeners who want to Google that, you'll be able to Google that. It's a little one-page summary of uh, 
uh, ticks and crosses uh, just to make it very easy to see who stands where. Uh, also, the Australian Christian Lobby uh, website has a detailed survey of parties and candidates as well. But Ashley Saunders, uh, Family Voice Australia, be doing this for 40 years. And uh, just, uh, just to draw some attention... Uh, in case uh, listeners are concerned, uh, there are some groups that don't respond to your survey. Some of your questions, I might say, appear to be more pointed and uh, a little more uh, challenging than what some other questions might be. Uh, but uh, but there's a, a very sneaky way of trying to fly under the radar with some of these parties uh, that we might even identify as the Labor Party or the Greens. They They try not to respond to your survey at all. Uh, yes, that's an increasing trend. So in terms of the way that we ask questions, uh, there are some similarities, and I think we, we outlined this earlier in the week, that we always ask about uh, candidates and parties' position on prayers in Parliament. And beyond that, we then look at what are some really live issues in the community right now in which we believe that Christians would be interested. And, uh, and so we try to make it as relevant and current as possible. And, uh, and of course... Um, in this election campaign so far, the Labor's, Labor Party and the Greens have not responded as parties, um, and uh, some individual candidates may have, um, but indeed where individual candidates respond, some of them simply respond by saying no comment on anything. And, uh, and so uh, my position, I guess Family Voice's position, is that uh, it's really important for people to be informed. And it's not just about listening to the... 10 second or 15 second grab on the on the commercial radio or the commercial television or even abc but that you really need to be informed what are the issues uh, in this election what are the things about which uh, about which christians are concerned and what do the candidates and parties say about that uh, again uh, it's an affront on democracy if people and parties simply ignore um, the will or the things that are put to them on behalf of uh, their constituents. Ashley, let me keep you another few minutes. Uh, the Benelong by-election in Sydney, John Alexander looked like the favourite before Christina Keneally was announced as the Labor Party candidate. Uh, your thoughts on that? And uh, just if I add in there, uh, the likelihood now of an Australian Conservatives candidate to be added into that mix. Uh, any thoughts on uh, how things are looking in the Benelong by-election? Uh, yes, I haven't got um, up-to-date polling figures or anything that, uh, that hasn't been made publicly available. Um, and certainly one would think that John Alexander would be the front-runner. But um, with uh, the former New South Wales Premier now standing for the Labor Party, um, there's some positive and some cautious negative about that. Uh, on the positive side, there's a high profile and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and a high personal approval rating. On the negative side, there's... I guess the link with um, an era in New South Wales Labor politics that um, uh, that the Labor Party in New South Wales has been trying really hard to put behind them. It's not so much associated with uh, Christina Keneally, but whether she was in fact um, you know somebody who was promoted uh, by an element uh, that has been proven to be a criminal element in the party, and so uh, you know her high profile and high personal approval rating means it's an interesting contest. Um, how much will it play um, that um, there's a bit of baggage she's got as well? How much on the other side will it be that, yes, John Alexander is a good local member versus if he'd made sure that he wasn't a dual citizen before the last election, we wouldn't be going to the time, the trouble, 
uh, and the cost of having to vote. So how much will that play against him? And then, of course, as you mentioned, uh, the possibility of an Australian Conservatives candidate. I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, One more issue before I let you go. Of course, the deepening constitutional citizenship crisis for the government. Another senator declaring dual citizenship yesterday uh, from the Nick Xenophon team, Sky Kokoschke Moore. Uh, There's a likelihood and there are predictions there'll be more people coming out and declaring their dual citizenship in coming days. Uh, Your thoughts, Ashley? Uh, I've said previously that uh, I think the longer-term solution is for uh, parliamentarians of all persuasions to get together and agree upon a discussion to have with the Australian people about whether it is appropriate in uh, in a country of immigrants, by and large, to have uh, a system where people who are citizens can vote but because they're dual citizens can't stand. I think that's a conversation we need to have in the medium to long term. In terms of the immediate future, one of the things that's interesting is that regardless of whether the people who are being affected are you know, opposition or crossbenchers or government people, there's a sense in which the Australian people, um, in terms of attitudes, will always hold that against the government. Uh, because the Australian people will say, just a minute, we put you in and we expect you to govern well, uh, to govern the parliament, to govern the people. And so uh, regardless of what party the people are coming from, there's a sense in which every government minister and backbencher uh, becomes increasingly nervous. Uh, I'm really hoping that when the House of Representatives resumes uh, in uh, a week or so, that um, uh, people will be frank and honest and put all their cards on the table and we'll be able to get past this issue and hopefully before Christmas. Well, there is so much to talk about and we won't get time to even talk about uh, the fact that there won't be a lower house sitting next week. Uh, It's always good getting your insights, uh, tremendous insights. And let me point people to the Family Voice Australia website, fava.org.au. Ashley Saunders is the National Director of Family Voice Australia today, uh, fresh off the plane in Hobart in Tasmania. Ashley, look forward to our next catch up. We'll, we'll, We'll catch up soon. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Uh, Thank you, Neil, and uh, good morning to your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.